Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Small groups within a church. That is today's topic on GFA Missions ReChurch. So glad to have Dr. Gary Reemers and Pastor Chris Lynch with us today. Men, welcome to ReChurch. Thank you, Morris. We're yeah. glad to be here. All right, so let me give a little background. Uh, the topic is often asked, okay, what about small groups, community groups, whatever you want to call them? How does it work in a church? How does it, how does it function? And so my goal was to find um, someone that I knew did research very carefully, and I want to get with a church that's been doing it enough to know, okay, what are the anticipated blessings and the unanticipated challenges? And so um, I just, that's the reason I have Dr. Reemers and Pastor Lynch with us. They're at Cornerstone Baptist in Greenville. Most of our viewers probably are familiar with the ministry. Um, and, and so I don't think I'm going to do a lot of introductions of you two because I think everybody pretty much knows you that, that would be a listener. Uh, so I just want to launch right into it. Is that okay, guys? Is that okay with you? Let's go. Okay. So, all right, for those who may not, so Dr. Reemers is the, the, the senior pastor, lead pastor, preaching pastor, and Pastor Lynch has been associate there. How many years, Chris? How many years you've been? Uh, 11. Yeah, okay, so long-term, yeah. long-term pastor uh, with Dr. Reemers. So I think that, that gives credibility to stability of ministry is what I'm trying to say. All right, so uh, if you know the ministry, you know they do things well. Everything's planned through, prayed through, and thought through. So as we get into this, so I, first thing, I just wanted, if we can just define the term, and, and the two of you just go back and forth. So uh, small group, community group, what is your working definition of that? All right, as long as you're not expecting a really concise one-sentence answer. <laughs> this is a discussion, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, for us, a small group, is an opportunity for people to get to know each other really well, well enough that the ordinary barriers that would uh, put up the fence, and uh, I don't want to talk about that, that's too personal, that a small group can uh, uh, break those down. So we were looking for an opportunity to put our people in that kind of an environment that would extend outside the walls of our church. Mm. We already had small groups during uh, the adult Bible study hour, Sunday morning, but they they weren't really expanding beyond into regular life okay. during the week. So that's what we wanted from our, uh, our new format of small groups. And, and our goal is mutual edification. All right, so let's all right, so let's park right there. Mutual edification, the practicing of one another's, the building up of one another of each other. Is that kind of Chris? You want to add to that? Is that kind of what the how you would do that? Yes, I think that one of our burdens was that we sensed, and this wasn't true across the board, but but by and large, we sensed that we were not achieving edification to the degree 
that the New Testament either commands or displays or exemplifies. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of friendships in our church family, um, but we wanted to strengthen relationships to the degree where they would be truly edifying with okay. depth. Okay. Uh, and then I think another factor related to us that may not be true for every church, as we have grown numerically, that feeling of a big church mm. is something that can contribute negatively to those shallower relationships. Sure. The bigger you get, the less you know your family. Uh, and so this helped shrink our church a little bit, uh, enabled some of those connections to be uh, developed that were deeper uh, for, again, all for the purpose, not just of deeper friendships, but of more effective biblical edification. There we go. Okay, so that only not only is a definition, but you also gave the why you do what you do. And I think any every church has got to sit down and, and answer that question that you just explained for Cornerstone of why why would you want to do something? All right, so let's let's go back just a little bit. So before before the small, do you call them small groups or community groups? What do you call care groups? What do you call these? Home groups. Pardon me. Home groups. Home groups. Okay. All right. So with your home group, before home group, did your typical week would be something like. Uh, did you know your Sunday morning worship service was it first or second? What just uh, lay, what was your your typical uh, week schedule? So it was it was kind of the traditional schedule uh, with one big exception. We would we have the worship service first okay. in the mornings instead of our Sunday school or Bible study hour. So worship service comes first. Uh, Bible study hour for all ages comes second. Uh, and then we would typically have an evening service as well, so uh, late afternoon evening service, which was designed, we call it Building Believers. Okay. It was designed for a bit more of a family time. There was some preaching and teaching involved, but a lot of other things would happen then as well, baptisms, missionary reports, yeah. um, other uh, things that we would just do as part of church family life. Okay, and then Wednesday night was prayer meeting? Yes. Okay, so it's pretty typical in our, in mm-hmm. our circles. Okay. So as you did that now, as you launched into this and, and again, y'all just go back and forth, whoever wants to answer, was there, cause I know you did a lot of research cause I, we, we talked about it. So was there another model that you followed or did you hybrid models to fit cornerstone to achieve what you wanted to achieve? So I, I don't know where you start addressing all that, but just <laughs> give us an idea on the how to, so we got your whys. Okay, so now how does this work out in a the life of Cornerstone Baptist Church? For us, this was a, a process starting with discerning the need, mm-hmm. and then we began research and trying to isolate ourselves. We had to understand the need better. Okay. And so this went over a couple of years. Uh, yeah. In fact, it got somewhat interrupted by COVID. <laughs> uh, but uh, there were some things we could still do, even yeah. that period of time. And so actually Chris and our other assistant pastor, uh, Brian Hoffman, uh, actually traveled to uh, visit other churches in our area, in other states, examining their models. And the reality is we couldn't find one that really fit us. All right. So I think what you just said fit us. So you got to know the culture. And again, if you know, if you know Cornerstone, they know their culture, they have a culture. 
and that you tried to maintain the cornerstone culture, right, in introducing the home groups. Okay, Chris? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and I think that there, in, in addition to the culture factor, uh, which has a lot of nuance to it, sure, um, varying degrees of uh, comfort level with the idea, uh, some aversion in some corners of our church family to a big change like this, or really any big change. And then you have on the other side, uh, other portions of the church family that were very eager uh, to do this. So you have to right. kind of balance that. And I think in addition to the culture, every church family in their life, in their week in and week out life has uniqueness to it. And so we had to take that into consideration. For example, some some churches we found uh, their home groups, their life groups, small groups, they give a lot of leeway on the timing of when that group meets. Right. Um, because of other things that we have going on in our church family, other fellowships, other things that we prioritize, to do that would take people away from families or take families out of routines for another night of the week, potentially, things like that. We did not want to cancel our midweek prayer meeting service, which is what some churches have done. They found that to be best for their church life. We didn't want to lose that. So many churches that do these small groups uh, give a lot of leeway to the groups as to when they meet. We settled on Sunday nights uh, as the time that all of our groups, all 20 of them, uh, would meet. And um, that just worked best for us uh, after discussion and prayer to uh, to fit our culture and to fit the other things we had going on that are just sure. unique to us. Okay. So, all right, so let's talk about, you said you got 20 groups. Uh, again, we're calling them home groups. That's what you call them. Uh, I think life groups is another word I forgot to say in the meaning. Some, some call them life groups. So, all right, so size-wise, okay. So where did you start size-wise to get this mutual edification? That's your goal. And so what have you found would be, I mean, I know there's no ideal group because there's an ebb and flow with people. But what mm-hmm. would be, now that you've been through this, what would you say would be the ideal size? And then at a certain point, we say, okay, it's gotten too large or it's too small. you got to combine. So just hit on that if you could. All right. Uh, let me just also uh, – preface that by saying uh, we were not eager to change up our evening service. Okay. Sunday evening was, was working very well. It was actually quite effective, pretty widespread participation in our church family. So okay. that was a, a, a factor for us. We didn't, we didn't rush into any aspect of this. So I'll, I'll let Chris address the, um, the factors. All right. So let, wait, let me, let me comment. With you. So what I, what I'm hearing is a deliberate philosophy of ministry instead of a reactive philosophy. Yeah. Okay. So you've set yeah. this out, you studied it out, you knew what you're trying to achieve. And I want to park there because so many churches, Oh, this looks good at this church. This looks good. So, this is not this what what you what you did at Cornerstone. Okay, so I just yeah. wanted to okay. All right, Chris, yeah, go ahead. A, yeah, there, there's a cost to all, all yeah. of this. You, you yeah. lose something. Mm-hmm. We lost the uh, unity of an evening service altogether, but we gained, and we were confident we were going to gain more mm. than we would lose. Okay, so Chris, size wise, speak okay. to us on so, that. And this is another this is another category where the church is across the board, do it very, very differently. Um, We settled on um, 
kind of a middle of the road number probably where when you include all participants and children, uh, we're probably averaging uh, between 15 and 20 okay. uh, people in every group. Now, the participating adults and most teenagers that would be in those groups would participate with the adults. Uh, some of the older elementary children, many of them do as well. Um, and I know we'll talk about some more of that later, but they uh, they number between 10 to 15. Okay. Uh, and then the additional children that are that are involved on a weekly basis too. So, so we're looking about we're looking twenty or less. I think is is ideal when you combine everybody. All right, so practically speaking, that's about a living room full of people. Is that is that is that a fair way to say it? Just on the practical yes. side. Okay. All right. That so that is a smart practical way to think about yeah, it because yeah. that's usually the limit. Yeah. So it, the the basic house. The basic yeah. home. Okay. So, all right. So when you label these or not label, but when you divided these out, are these done, let's say geographically to where, I don't know if I live in a geographic area, I go to that group or do, are they done by group leaders and you assign people? So, so, um, I'm not sure who, whose category this would fall in, but how, how did you do that? We have two primary factors there. One is geography. Okay. But we want it to be as close to home for each individual as possible. That's not always practical, uh, but at least we want it to be closer to their home than the church building is. Okay. Uh, that, that's, our, that's our limit for uh, distance. Because the other factor is that uh, part of our philosophy of ministry is that we want to promote uh, in fellowship primarily cross-generational. So we, we want every group, every home group to be balanced with uh, some uh, younger uh, people, uh, singles, uh, young adults, young children involved, and uh, middle-aged, older adults as well. So that kind of uh, uh, intersects with the geography a little bit, and we're just looking for a balance between those two. All right, now in your research, I just want to follow up here. So yours would be multi-generational. So, Chris, in the research y'all did, was that the norm or was the norm, I mean, what did you find other, I mean, how else would they do it? They would do it by age or by families with children, or what What did you find out there? I mean, I know what fits Cornerstone, okay? Yeah. Well, what else did you see out there? I think that uh, the cross-generational was typical, but not always the priority. Okay. Um, and I would say that probably is even the, the combination of cross-generational and knowing our people to the point where we're intentionally putting them with each other. Right. Um, not just in a cross-generational uh, sense, but also in uh, a life maturity, a Christian maturity sense, making sure that we have a good balance in every group in that respect, too. Um, the the cross-generational, I don't think, was always a high priority in some of the other places we saw. Right. Okay. Um, several, and several examples were actually, uh, they split them up according to ages. That's what I was thinking. So it was more yeah. like an age-specific yeah. fellowship time, which that works. We do that at Cornerstone as well in a different format Right. Uh, uh, on some Wednesday night gatherings that we have. Uh, but we wanted to very intentionally prioritize that, um, partly because of what our home groups were replacing, that, a, that uh, adult Bible fellowship Sunday morning 
around small tables time that we were doing that wasn't proving to be as effective as we wanted. Uh, that was cross-generationally motivated. You see the example that Paul gives in Titus 2 right. as a biblical yeah. motivation for this and other, yeah. other examples as well. So that was really big for us, uh, that cross-generational emphasis, to the point where if we have a decision to make between proximity and that, we're going to go with that instead. All right, so uh, again, proximity is a secondary thing. Yeah, your philosophy is driving your ministry. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I got to say, keep saying that because it's so important that before you launch into something like this, you got to understand where you are philosophically. Okay, so one more question. So, in your in your home groups, so um, Pastor Emers and Chris, did you did you assign? Did you you know were people assigned to a home group? Um, That's right. Okay, and, and so yeah. you you match geographically where possible, right? But also you were trying to achieve the, the cross generational um, mutual edification. Is that yes. a, okay? And one fact we were deliberately not taking into account is friendships that were already established. <laughs> okay, those can continue to function, fully, right? Right. But we're but that's. We're not trying to put people together that already spend a lot of time together. <laughs> All right. And so a, a lot of our people were, wow, I, I hardly know that person in my in my group. And, and your they, answer they caused, was exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? It caused a few people to step back a moment and uh, kind of reassess. And, and we just encouraged them that yeah. uh, you might not see anything that you have in common with each other on the surface, but if all you have together in common is Christ. That's all we need. All right. So as they're doing this, okay, so let's get, again, these are the how-tos. Is this normally a 60-minute, 90-minute? Does it vary by group? Because uh, I know what I want to get into. So the the, the, the segue mm-hmm. into that would be uh, the material that you are publishing for this. Okay, so uh, Chris, I know that may be your area. I think would you just segue into how long it lasts and the materials you're doing and that type thing? Sure. Um, the The numbers or the 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 times vary. Uh, the duration varies uh, depending on the group. We have. We but wait, all of it Sunday night though. Or Sunday Correct. evening, yes. all of it Sunday evening. Okay. Yes, we give them leeway on exactly when they start. For example, okay. I am in a group. We start at 4 p.m. Uh, Pastor Brian's group, uh, he is in a home group as well. Uh, his The group that he and his family participate in starts at, at 5.30, I believe. So okay. there's there's quite the difference. And you can decide within the group what works best for the families that sure. are involved and so forth. We have a a baby in our group that had a lot to do with why we chose when we chose. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of duration, I think the average is probably 90 minutes to two hours. Okay. And what we encourage them to do is about an hour or so of Bible study together. Uh, and I'll talk about the format there in a second. Uh, and then we also encourage either before that or after that, some form of informal fellowship time, mm-hmm. usually around, food, right, and refreshments. Right. Uh, some of our groups have a full meal every week because the host family enjoys uh, doing uh, that and has the financial wherewithal to do that. Um, my group, it's usually just, you know, popcorn and brownies, things like that, and 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 drinks. Um, but that's a great, that's an important time 
because the Bible study, while we want it to be central, is not the entirety of what we're trying to accomplish. We want the relationships to be built so that the Bible study can get deeper and right. have more of a more of an edifying effect. And it, it's conversation fodder for time outside of the regular gathering of the group as well. Uh, so we are intentional in both of those facets of the of the group time. And typically it's an hour for the study and half hour, 45 minutes for the rest of the time. And for those groups that either have already become really knit to each other or they're naturally right. chatty, right. Right. they'll go they'll go longer. And yeah. if the whole if the entire group is okay with that, that's a good yeah. thing. Uh, the longer the better uh, until the host says, okay, it's time time to, to go home <laughs> and they it's, and then everybody goes home. So okay. I'm, I'm aware of groups that go two and a half hours and I'm aware of groups that go an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, so it's just it just kind of depends on all those dynamics. All right, so Pastor Reimers, how did you select? topics, materials, how that's going to be accomplished, because you're, you're casting the vision for the church theologically uh, through your preaching. So how did you incorporate the vision for this, for then Chris and the home groups to carry it out? That was a really important question and another challenge for us. Well, what are we going to discuss together? Uh, in our case, we had uh, uh, something going on on Sunday mornings that we call Adult Bible Fellowship. And for the last uh, 11 years, uh, we've been meeting around small tables, mm -hmm. and everybody studies the same thing. They study a lesson prepared by the pastoral staff, which includes discussion questions. They get those a week in advance. Okay. They know what it is. Like We just recently finished a study on the book of Joshua. So okay. we'd take a book or we'd take a topic, but that was already in place and pretty well established. Mm. Everybody's comfortable with that. What we decided was to move that from Sunday morning to our home groups on Sunday evening Got to it. now building believers. Uh, then we had to replace that on Sunday morning, and we, we replaced that with a discussion about the morning message that uh, whatever passage they just heard that in the worship service, now that's what those groups at Adult Bible Fellowship discuss. And right. again, they get a list of discussion questions prepared ahead of time so that they can uh, have good discussion, uh, deeper discussion, focus more on application. So oh. that transfer from yeah. morning to evening uh, really uh, solidified for us. We already had a pattern. We kept that up. Now, do any of your, uh, and this is going to vary by church, I realize that, but do any of your, all right, so you have your worship service first thing and then followed by your Sunday school hour, whatever you want to call it. And so do any of your discussion leaders for the Sunday school hour also serve as home group leaders? Or is that just, is okay. that, I mean, this could be intentional sure. or not, but they could double, right? So oh, if yeah. a church yeah. doesn't have a lot of varied leaders you could double up on some of those. I'm just thinking, trying to think practically on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Our Adult Bible Fellowship provides leadership opportunities yeah. for some 25 people. Right. And so there is some overlap, but there are others that are not leading that, but they get an opportunity to lead in the home group. And that is development of spiritual leadership in the church. Okay. Chris, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Chris? No, I would just say that the whole, we were very intentional in selecting our home group leaders um, because of the, um, 
because there's no end game to that group. That group is that we don't rotate our home groups or anything like that. Okay. That group is together um, as long as that group lasts uh, okay. within reason. Sometimes we have to make changes, but that's a that's a long term permanent commitment to each other. The ABF tables on Sunday mornings, there's no prep time for that. You just listen to the sermon you just heard and come together and you apply it together. Uh, so those leaders uh, are not, uh, they're intentionally chosen, but in some instances there, we're giving someone an opportunity who we want to stretch them a little bit, perhaps, sure. Sure. Uh, things like that. It's a, it's a very simple discussion leading format where you just throw the question out on the table and uh, and the group discusses it for 45 minutes. At a home group, uh, our leaders are chosen much more intentionally. So there is some overlap because of yeah, talent sure. and giftedness. Sure. Um, but there's also a higher bar for those home group leaders uh, on Sunday night. Because they're really doing shepherding as well. You know, mm-hmm. in the, They are. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. All right. So let's segue. In, uh, so as this home group meeting is going on, I know you got a lot of families with kids of all ages. All right. Now I heard you say some of the older elementary children may participate in the discussion with the adults. And I love that multi-generational. But what about the groups that got, they have smaller children. Okay. So that's always, Whoa, what do we do? You know, so how, how, what are some of the ways that your home groups handle that? Well, some of the ways is a good way to say it because, (laughs) We allow flexibility. There. Right. We don't think yeah. we know the best way to handle their particular group. So some of them uh, keep even the youngest children right there. Maybe okay. they're playing on the rug in the middle of the circle or nearby in the same sure. room. Uh, others organize a teaching time for the younger children yeah. and rotate a schedule for people to take them into another room. Others have a playtime for the youngest children. So whatever works for them, that's what they do. All right. Now, again, that may make some pastors nervous, but what I hear you saying is you're empowering people to shepherd their community, their home group as they see fit. And of course, all that can change. So you're, you're, you're pushing down the responsibility and the leadership and the, and I think that just forms more leaders, right? It just, it matures the, the home group leaders. All right, Chris, you got any other comments a, on that? Yeah, it sets an expectation of um, of a defined ministry role for everyone involved. And nothing uh, enables that more than the presence of children uh, yeah. in a group. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we emphasized with our people, I mean, I remember us when we first introduced this to our deacons, emphasizing this to them because there was some wariness even uh, – <laughs> Uh, on their part about about the children factor sure. in particular yeah. and we just reminded them um because we had to get there too right so we reminded them of something that the lord had impressed on us and it was the fact that part of part of this depth of relationship that results in a degree of edification that is that is biblical requires us to suffer long with each other and requires us to not be quite so formal with each other, uh, not in terms of dress or standards or, or anything like that, but formal in terms of having to have everything just so. Sure. Uh, it's, it's okay for a home group to be patient with the children in the group, uh, and it doesn't have to look like um, 
Sunday morning in that house for it to still be an effective time. Uh, we have given them a lot of ideas on, as Pastor just mentioned a few of those, on how practically they can set this up. Uh, but it's really okay if we see each other's warts in the home group setting. And if the children that are misbehaving are are uh, are being gently cared for and patiently cared for, right. and the children that are just fine, but they're still there present with the group, uh, you can still have a discussion around that and patiently bear with their presence. Uh, they are not a liability to the group. They're an asset in terms of the opportunities that they provide. Sure. Sure. Uh, and, and, and so that's, that's what we've really tried to emphasize um, with, with our groups is just to use that as an opportunity to grow together. It's one more growing chance. But at the same time, we are continually shepherding the leaders. Yeah. There you go. We visit personally each of these home groups yeah. in sequence, and we're going. And our plan is to continue to do that. Yep. And then there are times where, boy, everything's going great. There are others where we meet with the leader afterward and say, "Doing good, but uh, like this, encourage you to make an adjustment here." Yeah. You know, some teachers yeah. are going to make this more of a teaching time rather than a discussion time. So, Good. you know, adjustments here and there, sure. but we are keeping supervision over the whole process. Mm-hmm. All right. So as, as we kind of bring this to a close, of course, we'll put some contact information for you guys in the show notes. But now you also, I forgot if it's once a month or how often you, you reconvene at your mm-hmm. church. This is what's different. This is kind of what I want to wrap this up. I mean, you're kind of, uh, to me, this is kind of the glue, okay, what you're, of what I understand. So explain, you reconvene at the church on Sunday nights. How often is that? And I know you've had some really unexpected uh, um, blessings from that, you know. So uh, explain how often that is. Yes, well, two things there. Uh, First, uh, we recognized uh, during the planning stage that not everybody was going to be uh, very uh, excited about this whole plan. You're very kind the way you put that. (laughs) So so we decided, uh, in addition to the home groups, we also retained what we call building believers at church. Okay. And uh, when we first started, first announced and and had signups and got this going, we we had 20 groups, home groups, right away. That many people signed up. And at the same time, we had about 80 to 100 people that didn't want to be a part of a home group, so they meet for building believers at church. Okay. And the pastors rotate leading that, and they study the very same thing as the home groups. All right, so just but, different, I mean, all right, same material, same yeah. philosophy being lived out, but we all know there's some that would rather meet at the church. So you provide that every Sunday night. As and, an and we're committed to that. Yeah, you're committed. We're okay. not expecting no. that to be a short-term right. uh, thing. We'll, we'll continue yeah. to do that, and we continue to have a faithful group. Uh, oh. One one thing on the side, Marsh, is that uh, instituting this whole program immediately increased the participation on Sunday evenings by twenty-five to thirty percent. Okay, that yeah, that's one of the unanticipated. Well, maybe you anticipated that blessing. I don't know. All right, so uh, we're not quite that smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, but the other you did. Factor you mentioned yeah. is yeah. once a month we yeah. have 
building believers together. And, and, and so the whole church, the whole church, all yeah. the home groups come back together and, and during that time, you could have missionaries in, or, and that would be more of your functional as a whole church. And see, to me, this is what I love about when you know, because I visited one of your one of your home groups, and, and I loved it. So I just you know, I did a kind of a debrief with the leaders, and they said, "Oh yeah, this person had never been to a Sunday night service, yeah. but yet they got fully involved." So what I mean, so when I heard this whole thing and your purpose, and I love that coming back together. And Dr. Emus, I think you made it. You, I've forgotten how you said it when you explained it to me, but that Sunday night of everybody come back together, something about it, it grew an excitement of all being together again. Well, how did you? Yeah, there, yeah. There's, a, there's an atmosphere on Sunday night that is just enhanced beyond what we ever had before. Or maybe People an anticipation. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, building believers together is a highlight for us, and yet we all look forward to the home groups okay. as well. We have people regularly tell us, I love my home group, mm. but we love building believers together as well. It, it's, yeah. it's turned out to be a, a great balance. All right. So as we wrap this up and Pastor Lynch, I'll ask you to comment first, then Gary, Pastor Emers, you can comment. So what I hear is you saw a need in your church. You researched what other, you researched what's there. But more importantly, you understood your philosophy of what you're trying to do at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And then you, you lived it out, you tweaked it, but at the same time, you're willing to do some things maybe others hadn't done, like come back together, or at least you're the first I've heard of coming back together once a month. So, Pastor Lynch, you want to comment on that or any, any closing or any, any wrap-ups you want to say? Sure. Yeah, I think that in addition to what uh, Pastor Reimers just said, there is a scary thing uh, that faces any church that decides to go this direction, uh, and it's scary because it's it it has actually borne the negative fruit in some cases. Right. Uh, that 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 frightens pastors, and it is the fact that when you uh, when your church family breaks up into small groups. What happens to a your unity, and b your um, your oneness of 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 purpose and standard and and a lot of other factors in a church, right? Uh, and that's why we that's one of the main reasons why we committed to uh, the regular pastoral visits to the groups, okay. and then the return once a month mm-hmm. to that service. It has had a lot of other benefits we would have never uh, imagined. And there are other benefits as well. I mean, we know we have to continue to have business meetings. We know we have to continue to have baptism services, which we don't typically do on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. We know we have to have fellowship times together. Uh, We know we have to have regular teaching that we can't fit into the Sunday morning schedule uh, for our church family, missionaries as well, as we mentioned a few times. Yeah. Um, so we knew we had to fit all that in, but even more importantly than those practical factors of family life as a church, we can't get so far down the road of split up edification that we lose the primacy of uh, gathered edification. Very good. Uh, and it protects you from so many dangers when you figure out ways, whatever works best in your church, figure out ways to 
stay together Excellent. as much as possible. That Excellent. presence together yeah. goes a long way to protecting against some of those dangers. All right, so, um, and, and Dr. Rumors, I'm going to give you the last word, okay? But let me just ask one question before I, I turn it over. You're how far into this now? How many, how long you have you been doing this? We're about 15 months. 15? 15? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. All right, mm-hmm. so... Um, and Dr. Reimers, if you just uh, and uh, I keep adding on to what I want you to talk about in the end, okay? And, and just for the time wise, we got to wrap it up, okay? So um, again, your your information will be in the show notes, but just briefly address um, as a pastor how you see your philosophy ministry being lived out this way, and then if there's uh, and I know y'all are continually tweaking it, okay? I know that. I mean, uh, you have to be. But, but what would you, the one key thing you'd recommend to a pastor or deacon or layperson that's listening to this, and they say, oh, yeah, we got to do this. We're just going to do exactly what Cornerstone does. They've already thought it out. All right, so what would be your warning? Okay, so give me a wrap-up. And then to the person that is listening and get all, they're all gung-ho all of a sudden, what is your pastoral advice and warning to them? I think you have to be sensitive to your people and their presumptions and concerns and so forth. So here's how we unrolled this and learned in the process. Mm -hmm. We kept this whole idea under wraps for over a year and a half. (laughs) Our first exposure to get other people's input was to our wives. We had a dinner together in our home, and then we told them what we had in mind. We got some excellent input. That's a very important first And then a month later, we met with our deacons. Okay. And a few days after that, included their wives uh, okay. and got lots of good input there as well. Uh-huh. Then we included our music leadership team because this affected a lot what they were doing. And yeah. we were committed to not diminishing our music program. Mm. And uh, so when are they going to rehearse now? That that was going to be a change. A lot of right. uh, other things going on. And not until then, and the, that whole step, that whole step-by-step process went about five months. Wow. Then we were ready to introduce it to the church. Okay. All right. So Wonderful. By, by way of wrap up, uh, we are just really thankful for what the Lord's been doing over the last 15 months. Uh, we are pleased. Uh, we still have. We're still looking for ways to make adjustment and sure. encourage people to participate. But uh, God is using this, and uh, we really feel that at this point we've made the transition successfully. Okay. All right, well, men. Uh, I greatly appreciate. Again, I did visit one of your home groups. It was very. It was very good. I mean, it was multi generational. It was laid back, but yet instructional. You could see relationships being formed. And I, you know, I just, I, I guess I appreciate your willingness to investigate, to pray, to investigate, pray some more, and, and then do it to what fits your philosophy of ministry. So, anyway, men, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your ministries to so many of our GFA missionaries. Thank you to that. And just the way y'all support, not only, I mean, you're, you're more or less ascending church because so many people, you're kind of like a funnel. So many people come through your church in ministry and then go back out. So thank you for your ministry to so many. Thank you, Mark. Right. Yes, thanks, sir. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye.
God. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.